Can you sail under the command of a pirate? Or can you not? You don't listen, do you? I don't think you ever really hear me. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. It stuck with me. I kept coming back to it, just trying to figure out where in the world we had gone so wrong that it had ended up here. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Why, Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? We got here is... Failure to communicate. Some man you just can't read. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You don't tell your pappy how to cut the electorate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communication. Oh, you're yeah. not at the time. Are you not at the time? Just not while you are here. Hey, and welcome to the Pirate Professor Podcast. This is your captain speaking. How's everybody doing out there today? Hope you're doing well. Hope it's a fantastic day for you today. Um, I am recording this. Outside, the weather is absolutely gorgeous. So, no complaints there. I've got the windows open at the cabin, and so if you hear any weird noises... Uh, like cows or things blowing off, you know, shelves or whatever. Got a little breeze. It's about 65 degrees outside. Blue skies. It's a nice day. Get to hear my chair creak. Got the air conditioner off. Everything is off. And that's kind of good. I like that. I like it. A little bit of quiet. You get... You know, when you've got things like air conditioners and fans running, and there's always this kind of continual white noise behind you. And after a while, it just sort of, you know, it blends in, and you just sort of become deaf to it. And and then when you turn it off, then you're like, oh, that's what quiet sounds like. That's what quiet sounds like. Um, So what's going on in your world? I don't have anything prepared as far as any great deep philosophical truths to um, lay down um, just enjoy the day like if you're if like if you're going outside and you're looking and it's it's a great day legitimately just just take some time off I have been known in the past to cancel class on account of good weather uh, because there's some days you're just not supposed to be staring at a computer. Especially if it, you're having a really nice day after having a long spell of uh, ugly weather. You know, so, like today, it's a, uh, 
you had a long long hot summer and then suddenly there's just kind of this cool day of relief like enjoy it I mean the flip side or maybe you've had a long winter and there's finally a warm day um, take it suck the marrow out of that life or that day or just take it take it as your own and 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 do it without regret um speaking of regret and life and i guess okay i'll go down this track for just a little bit um right now so on netflix it's new so if you're listening to this later uh you might not might not be there but for those who are listening to it in right now whichever right now happens to be closer to this recording there's this uh documentary on netflix called the social dilemma and it's basically uh it's interviewing a lot of the early creators of uh all the social media stuff and talking about how they use data and 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 specifically the negative consequences of that data um and the negative consequences how they use it to keep our attention going and how that ends up throwing us into all these little weird places so if you're big into instagram um and you're constantly comparing yourself to other people because everyone's using filters and everyone's making themselves look way prettier than they actually are or whatever it is um Anyway, it's kind of interesting because a lot of these things that they created, they didn't really understand the consequence of the thing that they were creating. And they were like one of the guys on there was the one of the people who developed the like button on Facebook, and they just never really considered kind of the psychological impact of something like that down the road. Anyway, it's an interesting documentary. You know, if you if you sort of run the on the um, on the fence about you know how much time do you spend online how much time do you spend staring at your phone and you know why is your phone so addictive uh that's actually a really good um it's a good documentary there's another one if you're if you're big into youtube uh another one podcast to listen to is from the new york times and it is it's called rabbit hole and that's a good one for you to uh, dive into and it, it basically uh, they specifically are talking about how p- people get politically radicalized uh, from watching YouTube videos and, and the concept behind it is simply all the algorithms that recommend the next video and so you end up going down these rabbit holes of a thought uh, and uh, also interesting so if you got some time you want to listen to something gets a little deep that's a good one. Now, something you don't know, because I cleverly edited it back together, is I was like halfway through the middle of that little spill and the power went out. And I guess that is just the joy of living in rural America. Uh, sometimes where things are not working out like you think they ought to. Um, and the power just goes out for no apparent reason. That's the second time today. Hopefully I'll get through this thing before... Um, that finishes up. Um, but back to what I was saying, talking about spending too much time online. 
one of the things that I was dealing with, and I guess it's my old man eyes catching up to me, is that like my eye, I was getting eye strain. Uh, so if people who wear glasses and you know you're nearsighted or whatever, and as you get older, you know your f- range of focus changes, and so I'm kind of in this weird weird spot now where I use you know I've got bifocals. God help me. Um, because I need something, you know, if I'm like reading small print, like from a book, I need one set of lenses, but if I'm driving down the road, I need another. Now the thing with me is like one eye is a little worse than the other eye. And where I am looking at computer monitors, it's kind of in that range of focus. that's almost in focus for me. So I, neither one of my glass lenses work very well. So I end up not wearing glasses when I'm staring at the computer, which ends up giving me like ridiculous headaches after staring too long, especially if I'm reading. So anyway, that's a long way of getting around and of um, telling us like, I've got to figure out a way to stop staring at screen so much. Plus it's just kind of like, I'm just like, all right, this has gotten out of hand. Um, so I went ahead and just deleted all my social media apps off my phone, mostly just to give myself, you know, my eyes a break. And I was like, okay, I'll just, it'll just be for a weekend. And then I was just like, hey, you know what? You, you stay busy, you keep doing other things. And that's when you really start noticing like, oh, I'm always reaching for my phone, but now that there's nothing there to look at. Still got messengers and you know tech, text messaging and all that, but nothing to scroll really. And oddly, one week turned into, or one weekend turned into a week, and a week turned into two weeks, and two weeks turned into three weeks, and I'm kind of digging it to be honest. Um, you start realizing when you do go look, it's like ah, this stuff isn't actually that interesting anymore. And it's kind of like, you know, it's like been watching cable TV and you realize you're just going back and watching the same thing is on the channel, same channel every day. So I just, any social media stuff, I just look at it online and on my desktop and then I find it oddly unsatisfying. So I, I've stopped spending so much time looking at it and, um, yeah, and my, you know, I think probably my soul's a little better too, just from that. So maybe it would be something, maybe, let me talk, talk good, talk better, talk gooder. Uh, that may be something you want to try sometime. Um, I would make my, when I was teaching Intro to Mass Communication, one of the things I would have my students do was a 24-hour technology detox, which I think I may do that for one of my other classes. That seems like a great assignment for them to be annoyed with me at um, again. Just go 24 hours without any any screens, any internet, any television, um, no phone, just get no video games, just get rid of all of it and just kind of get a baseline to see kind of like where your head is and, you know, give yourself an idea of like how much time you're really spending looking at stuff. It's eye-opening, I'm telling you, it's eye-opening. So today we're going to jump into interviews we've been done doing some basic communication stuff um 
We're starting chapter seven. By the way, this is for my business and communication uh, class. So if you're just hanging out for somebody else, great. You're welcome to sit and audit the class. Um, but you don't have to do the assignments. Anyway, for the rest of you, we're going to be talking about uh, interviews. Just kind of, today's going to be sort of a overview. Uh, we'll talk about a lot of the different types of interviews. I'm going to focus on the important ones. This is one of those things, and I'll, and I'll point them out because I'm not afraid to point these out in the book. There's sometimes you in textbooks you you run across a lot of information that you. It's pretty obvious that it's mostly important to people who write textbooks. Like it's not necessarily important information for people practicing the thing. So I'm going to, and before I was a teacher or a professor, I actually, I worked in communication professionally and I did that for quite a few years. And, and so I've got a pretty good understanding of what, what's important, what's not so important. So we're going to focus on the important stuff and I'll, and I'll tell you why when we hit those things. Um, but in the meantime, uh, let's, let's get this party started. All right. Interviews. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Do you like American music? I like American music. Don't you like American music, baby? Baby, do you like 
Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. I, I forgot. Mmm, yeah. You see, we're putting the cover sheets on all TPS reports now before they go out. Did you see the memo about this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have the memo right here. I just, uh, forgot. But, uh, it's not shipping out till tomorrow, so there's no problem. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. And, uh, I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay? Yeah, no, I, bye I, bye I have the memo. I've got it. It's right... Hello, Phil. What's happening? Um, I couldn't find him yesterday. Milton. Hi. Uh, could you turn that down just a little bit? Well, I, I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume from 9 to 11. Yeah, no, no, I, I know you're allowed to. I, uh, I was just thinking maybe like a, you know, personal favor. Well, I... I, I, I told Bill that if, if Sandra's going to listen to her headphones while she's, while she's falling, then I should be able to listen to the radio while I'm collating. Uh -huh. So I don't see why okay. I should have to turn down the radio because yeah, all right. okay. I enjoy listening at a reasonable volume. Thanks. From 9 to 11. No. Hi, Peter. What's happening? We need to talk about your TPS reports. Yeah, the cover sheet, I know. I know. Uh, Bill talked to me about it. Yeah. Did you get that memo? Yeah, I got the memo. And I understand the policy, and the problem is just that I forgot the one time, and I've already taken care of it, so it's not even really a problem anymore. Ah, yeah. It's just we're putting new cover sheets on all the TPS reports before they go out now, so if you could go ahead and try to remember to do that from now on, that'd be great. All right. So there we are. Welcome to Office Space. Um, probably. Have you seen that? Have you have you watched that movie? You should watch that movie. If you ever even think about working in the corporate world, you really need to watch Office Space. Uh, before that was violent. The violent films are just actually it's just violent films. Films uh, with American music. Good '90s alternative band. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so let's jump into interviews and talk about this stuff. I'll play that clip just because. And there'll be another one later where they're, it's just all interviews. And that one sets up the background for what comes later. So it's important. So sometimes interviews come in different forms and fashions, different shapes. I specifically, like my specialty is in the world of journalism. So I, you know we do and I've done you know sometimes you go in and you're doing fairly short interviews but other times I'll go in and I'll sit and I'll you know I'll be interviewing somebody for hours you know one two three three hours long doing long form stuff and sometimes you go back and you go back and you go back and you go back in some cases you know I've done interviews with you know the same people periodically uh, for, you know, a couple of years, uh, because you're trying to get a longer form of, um, context of just what's going on in the world, um, and how they, um, uh, how things change. 
So interviews can can come in all forms. You can have face to face interviews. You know, I guess that would be the most common. What you think of when you think of an interview? You're sitting in a uh, an office with someone, you know, staring at you over their desk, or you may have something that's more of a panel style interview where you're you're sitting in a chair and you've got other people, you know, like three or four other people sitting across from you in chairs and they're all asking you questions and all of these things. So we've got, so I'll just run through these, these real quick from the book. Um, you've got a counseling interview. Uh, think of in terms of, you know, literally going to a counselor. Uh, okay. This gets into the the place where like the, uh, you know, the book starts nitpicking a little bit too much. It's a counseling interview. Well, you're just going to see a counselor. It's a conversation. When you're talking about a good interview is almost always a conversation. Someone's asking questions. Someone's giving answers. And sometimes it just goes back and forth a little bit. The thing that's going to probably be in the most important to you and it's what the next chapter after this one's going to be is about employment interviews. Um, and it's how do you prepare for those because you're, you're looking for a job because that's ultimately that's what you guys are after, right? You're, you're going to college because you're hoping to uh, do a couple of things. You know, on one hand, you're trying, if you're doing this right, you're trying to get a job, but you're going to college not just to get the diploma, but to get the education that's going to give you the frame of mind and kind of the, the tools of the human being that's, that's going to make you more competent. You know, because you want to be you want to be able to face whatever storms and challenges and obstacles get in your way, and you need a you know you need a good head on your shoulders with some good ideas and good ways to think and good ways to reason, and so hopefully that's why you're here. So the employment interview is when you go in and you're you know you're basically trying to convince a bunch of strangers that you're worth you're up to the task. Exit interviews are just the opposite of that. So you're leaving. Maybe you're going to take another job. Or you're just leaving. And some places will do an exit interview, um, kind of, hey, like, what did you think about this, you know, whatever it happens to be. Like, when I was in graduate school, after, you know, everything was all said and done, I sat down with the uh, department head, and, you know, they just ask us questions, like, basically, you know, what did you think of this program? Like, what were the strengths? What was the weaknesses? You know, someone who went through it. You know, and someone who now has a diploma, like, what do you, what is your opinion of the thing? Um, you've got a grievance or confrontation interview. That's kind of like, you know, what would you do with your TPS reports? Somebody's coming in and going, all right, something's up. we gotta got to um, get you back online. We've got group interviews, which are like panel and board interviews, which for all intents and purposes are the same thing. The book breaks them up into two different things, but you, you've got an uneven number of people across the table from you. Uh, so uh, I've had a couple of job interviews where it started out as an interview with a single person, and then the next round was an interview with multiple people. And then the round after that was an interview with even more multiple people. So you've got those and how you interact with those can be a little bit different. Informational interviews. Um, think of a staff meeting. It's not really an interview. It's like, Hey, I've got information and you give you 
an interrogation, if you're in an interrogation interview, well, then shit got real for whatever reason and things are a little um, uncomfortable. So an interrogation interview is somebody's in trouble, probably you, uh, or at least potentially in trouble. This can happen, hopefully not while wearing handcuffs. Sometimes you, um, you know, if you get called to the principal's office when you were in high school because you did something, technically, I guess that would be an interrogation interview. But you're accused of something, um, and we go from there. Performance reviews, these happen. Um, they're not really interviews per se. It's, it's You're going to sit and listen. Persuasive interviews, that's a sales pitch. Call it what it is. It's a sales pitch. The thing that's changed now, uh, we've got more. We, the book talks about Skype interviews. Um, just calling it Skype seems kind of dated at this point. Uh, it's you're just using video um, conferencing equipment, you know, whether it's Zoom, whether it's WebEx, whether it's FaceTime, whether it's Skype, you're just talking to somebody using a webcam. And really, that's that's all what these things are about. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep in any of these. You have a textbook if you want to read more, but you get the gist. Um, your job... You know, from from this perspective, you've got two different ways to look at interviews. One, if you're interviewing for a job and how to prepare to be the person who gets interviewed. The other side of this is how to prepare if you're the person doing the interview. So you have to think about these things. We're going to cover uh, a little bit of both of these. Mostly uh, for today, and we're going to talk more less about how you should personally prepare. And more about like uh, kind of what's the overall structure of these things. The overall structure of basically any interview and uh, from a communication standpoint and just from an organizational standpoint. And again, you're probably not going to be super formal with this when you're looking at it, but you're writing out questions. Uh, And the first thing I should tell you is... um, Nobody wants to be interviewed where you're just sitting there, you're reading a question, you wait for an answer, you nod, you nod, they get finished, and then you go to, okay, question number two. That is a boring-ass interview. Nobody wants nobody wants to be in that, and you're not going to get good information on that because, again, people are wired for a narrative form. We, we're wired for conversation. And so what we want to do is create a conversation. And sometimes, you know, that works differently than other ways. Um, the book talks about the opening phase and in generating rapport with someone. The opening phase is essentially you need to sit down and just get comfortable. Take some, take some time to get comfortable with this person. Um, hopefully, and, and again, if you think about this from a perspective of if you're getting interviewed, you can kind of know what they're doing. So, but if you're the interviewer, you've got somebody who comes in, they're a stranger, you don't know them, they don't know you. Everybody's just a little tense because you, like you don't, you just don't know what people are into. You don't know what their things are. You don't, you don't know what the things that they really like are. You don't know the things that they may not like. Um, you know, you try to stay away from certain topics if you know that that's kind of a sore subject with them. Um, 
you know, let's not even get into like politics and religion or whatever. You, d- you don't know where they stand on anything. So you really kind of want to, in theory, a- avoid a lot of that. And depending on, you know, if this is a job interview, uh, you can't ask those kind of questions. Uh, they just stay because you can't discriminate based on things like that. So, but for the most part, we're starting out. Just ask some softball questions. Just questions that don't mean anything. Just questions that are designed for no other reason than to get the person talking. I just want, I want you to relax. I want you, remember all the stuff that we talked about as far as anxiety is concerned. Assume if you're conducting an interview that the person you're dealing with on the other side of the table is dealing with a certain degree of anxiety. If it's a job interview, you know, if it goes well, this could, you know, this means they're paying the rent and their car payment. Um, it, it could mean all kinds of stuff. It could mean, you know, they're going to have a positive, uh, you know, account balance in their bank. All kinds of things. They can pay back their student loans, whatever it is. But they're, they're approaching you, um, at least in this standpoint, with a certain degree of anxiety. And again, if you're the person on that side, you're probably coming into a job interview with a certain degree of anxiety because of all of these things we just talked about. You want this thing. Uh, if it's a, you know, typically if it's, you know, more of a professional level job, if you're going in for, you know, minimum wage job and just kind of hoping for the best, you're probably not as nervous, uh, but you might be, who knows? Anyway, so you're just going to start with some basic stuff, get them talking, maybe try to find out what they're interested into. Uh, one of the things that I like to do, especially from a journalistic standpoint is I've, if I can pick up sort of like the f- frame in which they see the world, um, or the lens that they they look through, um, you know, the thing, the things that they do, um, I've done this long enough that sometimes if I need to create an example, I can create examples based off the things that they're into. Um, case in point, um, let's just say you're talking, you've got two different people. One of them is, uh, grew up on a farm and is very rural. Uh, their, their entire frame of reference is, comes from small towns as opposed to someone who grew up in a, a really large, um, urban area. They're, you know, they grew up in a, in a city. Hey, there's an airplane going over. And, you know, so the way you, that you frame things um, can matter. You know, if they're technologically savvy, uh, maybe they like to, they're outdoorsy, what, whatever their thing is. You can create questions, you can create scenarios, you can create metaphors that are based on the things that they're into. Uh, you try to create a metaphor based off stuff that people don't know, you know, then it's not going to go anywhere. It's not really going to help. At any rate, you're getting them comfortable, and you're also, the, the thing is, you want them to trust you. Like, they have to understand that you're on their side, whether you are or not. That you're there to get, you know, whatever, you know, the best information possible. You're not there for gotcha questions. Or not, you're not there for any of that stuff. You're just there, you know, relax, enjoy, take some time. Let's have a good conversation and see if we can get to know each other. And, you know, find out some stuff. Now, if it's a more formal style interview, there may be some kind of formalities that go in, the, in this thing, too. 
and these can these can wait a little bit. You can you can make a little small talk, chat a little bit. Some people are better at that than others. Uh, you go over the orientations like, all right, this is what you can expect. This is what's about to happen. You know, make sure the book's talking about verification of the interviewee's name. Yeah, make sure you're sitting with the right person. That's important. Um, you know, tell them what to expect if it's a job interview. You know, this is what this is what you can expect to happen. You know, we're going to sit and talk for 15 or 20 minutes or whatever. And then I've got some other people lined up after you. And then if we, you know, then we're going to let you know something within a few days. Because the brain absolutely hates a vacuum. So if you can go ahead and answer some of those questions up front, you know, you take those things away from, you know, so the person doesn't have to worry about it later. And things that get into their head, you know, we talk about noise you know, the psychological noise of things that they're going to wonder about. You just go ahead and take care of that and make sure you're, you're just checking them off the list and getting out of the way. Um, the book talks about motivation after all this stuff. Is the motivation is just kind of, you know, your motivation, their motivation. What are you trying to accomplish? What are they trying to accomplish? What are you hoping to accomplish with all this stuff? So, um, after that, that, that part's not really important. Um, after that, you're going to go through the question and response phase, you know, and you may have a list of questions. What I like to do is I don't just read questions off a list. I start a conversation and I ask those questions within the course of the conversation. And I'll let them flow into that naturally. Um, you know, because they're, again, especially if we're talking about employment interviews, there are things you can and cannot ask. Um, you know, there's also things that I want to make sure that I cover. And so I just simply keep a list. So I um, make sure I cover them all, you know, check them off, make sure. Did I ask this question? Yes. Did I get it? Did I get a satisfactory answer? Yes, you know, and I'll just stay on that subject until I feel like I've, I've got what I need. And some people are more chatty than others, and so sometimes you, your job is to um, move on the conversation as opposed to letting it go all over the place. And some people, it's like prying words out of their mouth with a crowbar. Um, you've got you've to keep going with it. You've got to keep pushing them and, and prying and prying and getting in there until you finally get the answers you need. And those kind of questions come in the form of um, closed and open-ended questions. What you want typically in an interview are more of an open-ended question, where you're not giving them the option for like a yes or no answer. Closed questions are the things like you might find in, if you're testifying, um, it's odd that they're not actually including test court stuff. But if you're testifying in court, you're getting interviewed by attorneys. Uh, and very often attorneys want to kind of lock you into a yes or no question. You know, you may not want to get go down that road, but they'll ask you questions that sort of require a yes or no answer. Um, part of you being a smart um, witness is learning how to, you know, see what they're they're doing, so look at their strategy of what they're asking, and that can be. Um, and sometimes as in getting interviewed, you know, you can see people asking around a subject and you can go, oh, this is what they really want to know. 
and then you can choose to go down that road or not go down that road. Depends on what you know what it is. Open-ended questions, you probably already know. They leave room for elaboration. So one of the things I, I typically do with my students in in class is I'll often ask them to tell me something interesting. Just tell me something interesting. What is it? What was the what was the best moment of your you know past week? Tell me about that. And then I'll ask some probing questions where we get a little, you know, they'll tell me a little bit I'll and I'll keep digging. So they'll say, well, you know, I don't know. I went out to eat, you know, okay, where'd you go? And then they have to tell me about the restaurant. Really? What's your, and then it's like, what's your favorite thing on that menu? Maybe you've eaten there and this is the point that you can, you can seem interested in them. And that's almost one of the best ways to get people to talk to you. If you're genuinely acting like you're interested in what they have to say, that's a great way to get people to keep talking to you. You're like, Oh my God, I love that place. Well, you know, what did you eat? What's your favorite thing on the menu? And they tell you, and you're like, Oh my God, that's so good. And, and then you just get, go from there. The more people think that they're in tune with you, the more they're going to open up. Um, opposite of that, let's, you know, asking for a friend, you got hypothetical questions. So they may be a little bit more embarrassing. So let's just say you have a friend, blah, 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 blah. So you can, you can do a third party sort of questions, hypothetical. Um, you've got direct questions, closed questions. These are the stuff that's going to be requiring a yes or no answer or a very short answer. Loaded questions are things that there's not necessarily a right or a wrong answer, but the question is designed to create an emotional response that you may or may not want to get. A leading question, again, this is what happens in the world of um, courtrooms. And you, you see a, the objection, Your Honor, leading question. And the leading question implies the answer. Like, you know, you ask, like the book says, you want a kind of car that gets good gas mileage, don't you? Well, obviously, because you, you sound like an asshole if you don't, right? Or, I mean, think about like when people try to imply guilt within the context of a question i mean you like us don't you you know you'll, you'll go because you like us you'll do that thing you know we're really looking for creative people are, are you are you a creative person what are, you know what is it what do you have you know these are things that are they're they're implying something and trying you to get you just to go along with that um And then again, book moves on to verbal probes and verbal probes are just the things you get them to keep talking. So it's imagine like you're, you know, spinning a bicycle tire or any tire. It doesn't matter. It's on this wheel. It's, you're just spinning a wheel and it starts to slow down and then you just give it a little push to get it going again. That's what a probing question does. You keep them talking about whatever the thing is and it allows you to go just a little bit deeper. And this is where you really, as an interviewer have to really pay attention, um, See, the, the thing about that interview, the, the office space clip, that's kind of annoying. Uh, it's not kind of annoying. It's really annoying. Is when you realize that the managers are asking questions, but they're not actually listening to answers. They're just, they have a script that they're following, and they're, they're not paying any attention. They're not listening at all. Um, and so you got to pay attention to the TBS reports. All right.
Moving on. Sequence of asking questions. The book goes into a funnel sequence, an inverted funnel sequence, an hourglass sequence, and then like a diamond sequence. Basically, it goes like this. A funnel sequence is you're starting with a broad open-ended question at the beginning. So think of a big opening. And then as the conversation goes on, it gets more and more specific. And that's typically the way a lot of conversations go, a lot of interviews. You start out broad, and then once you get as you get more comfortable and you get more into the subject, you get more and more refined with the questions. It gets a little more detail-oriented. Um, the inverted funnel sequence is something where you start very direct and then you open up and become more broad. And all of these different varieties, basically you either have wide open questions or narrowly focused questions. And within the course of the conversation, you're going to alternate between these two. And so sometimes it's, going, it's probably going to start out more broad, get more specific, and then probably end up a little more lighter or more of a broad thing. Cause what you want to leave people like with a good taste in their mouth at the end of an interview. And so, you know, you just let it open up. Um, one of the best questions to, to throw in at the end of an interview is just simply, you know, is there anything I forgot to, I forgot to ask or anything I didn't ask that you wish you could talk about and just give people that moment to say, yeah, this, and then let them just talk. And there it is. And then you've got something awesome that maybe, or maybe they don't have anything else to say. And it's just, that's just the way it is. Um, and that pretty much knocks out this, this chapter. Like I said, the next one we're going to get into, uh, is specifically on employment interviews and we'll, we'll get a little more detail oriented to that. The big thing to kind of take away from this chapter is, um, different styles of interviews. So go over those again, make sure you read them. And then from that point on, um, I don't know. Just pay attention. I guess that's the big thing. Learn to listen. Learn to ask questions. Learn to be conversational. So, uh, this is the thing I want you to do. Try to start. Try to start a conversation with a stranger. And just ask questions. Have a conversation with somebody you don't know, and then try to find specific information from those people. See what happens. And we can talk about it. All right, well, I'm going to leave you out with another shot from Office Space. And then I'm going to close you out with a song from the band Sugar. All right, catch you next week. Slidell, this is my associate, Bob Porter. Oh, hi, Bob. Bob? Pretty much, go ahead and grab a seat and join us for a minute or two. You see, what we're actually trying to do here is we're just, we're trying to get a feel for how people spend their day at work. So if you would... Would you walk us through a typical day for you? Yeah. Great. Well, I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door. That way Lumberg can't see me. <laughs> and uh, after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell uh, space out? Yeah. I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Uh, Peter, would you be a good sport and indulge us and just...
tell us a little more? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something about TPS reports. Uh, the thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. Don't... don't care? It's a problem of motivation, all right? Now, if I work my ass off and Intertech ships a few extra units, I don't see another dime. So where's the motivation? Now, here's something else, Bob. I have eight different bosses right now. I beg your pardon? Eight bosses. Eight? Eight, Bob. So that means that when I make a mistake, I have eight different people coming by to tell me about it. That's my only real motivation, is not to be hassled. That and the fear of losing my job. But you know, Bob, that'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Would you bear with me for just a second, please? OK. What if, and believe me, this is so <laughs> hypothetical. But what if you were offered some kind of a stock option equity sharing program? Would that do anything for you? I don't know, I guess. Listen, I'm going to go. Uh, it's been really nice talking to both of you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. The pleasure's all on this side of the table, trust me. Good luck with your layoffs, all right? I hope your firings go really well. Okay. Thanks a lot. Great. Yeah. Wow.